NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. Alright guys, let's welcome Sam Leffler from Chevelle to the uh, Throwback Throwdown with Toomey. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Not doing too not doing too bad there. You know, it's funny we you were you were commenting on hearing some of the old stuff and getting ready for today, I kinda went down the Chevelle rabbit hole and you guys are like a hit factory, man. It was crazy like how many just how many staple rock staples you guys have in the catalog. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Uh yeah. It is. It is good. I guess it's been a long time, and it's it's nice that things still connect after all these years. So you hope that it will. You know. <laughs> she uh-huh. just how many how many songs? Like I know every word to in the Chevelle catalog. It's pretty crazy, man. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, you always are most excited about the stuff you're working on right now, right? But um, definitely, I appreciate the fact that that people know the music from from all these years. I mean. It's still fun to play them. You just don't want to rehearse them as much. Right. <laughs> but it's still fun to play them out. Um, you know, the new album, I, I'm, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. And I, honestly, it's not even a real word from what I can right. tell. The Neratius? Yeah. Is that what we're sure. going with? Yeah, yeah, we say Neratius. Neratius. Yeah, there's no real real wrong way to say it, but it is fun to say. Right, which is, which means uh, nothing is real, and this is all a simulation, which I absolutely love because of how many times you just sit back and you think you're like, "There's no way that like this is real." Like when real things happen that are crazier than movies and things like that, man. It's it's just we are all truly in a simulation. It does feel that way. It feels more that way than anything else. And then over the last you know year and a half, two years, we've been in some sort of weird horror movie. Yeah. You know, I wonder what it would just what it was like to go through this sort of thing a hundred years ago, when people weren't able to connect uh, any other way except for in person and trying to get information from family to family or state to state or whatever. How like you know, by the time you actually got any real information, it'd be months old, right? Right. Oh, yeah. and so you think that that would be worse than the way it is now, but I don't know. It's arguable. <laughs> are you talking like uh like spanish flu pandemic is that what you're talking or just information period well yeah i'm talking about like pandemic information but sure information in general yeah definitely but, i mean i mean even growing up and i'm sure you did the same thing too you know reading like metal edge magazine and and like any rolling stone or anything like that you know that news was already like three months old by the time you read it and you know you're like that's right but you still took that as like just happened yesterday you did, yeah. It was a matter. It was just a matter of fact, right? It happened yesterday. Just played this part. Just came up with this song, <laughs> not five years ago. You know, sitting on a song for ten years trying to come up with a solo so you can complete it, or you know, whatever that, whatever a story is, or any of that stuff. Yeah. With the theme behind the album, I mean, how how involved into like the concept of the album are you, or is that a lot, Pete, or is that a, is that a collaborative effort? Where do you stand in that? 
Yeah, man. We just try to come up with weird shit that's going to make, I don't know, just be interesting. And we like to spend time talking about space and things like that. And we'll just sit and we'll just, I mean, you know, record covers are a real struggle because you want them to sort of represent whatever's happening in, in your music in that album. But they don't really. It just ends up being either something compelling or something that's not compelling. And I, I mean, it's a struggle. But yeah, we just sit down and we just talk and talk and talk and talk and come up with a hundred bad ideas for something and hopefully one good one, whether it's the, t- the title of the album, the artwork. Um, you know, it's not really a theme. It just kind of ends up being right. something. And, uh, but, yeah. So I, I don't really know what the what the answer is because it all kind of <laughs> happens a different way, but it ends up being what we do so much is Pete and I just get together around noon every day and just work on something, whether it's just playing music, it's writing, it's rehearsing, talking about um, possibilities for videos or artwork or gear or working on the studio trying to make something better we just meet up every day and just try and do something to further the band because this a and r guy we had many many years ago said nobody ever cares about your band more than you do so make sure you're the one putting the time and not waiting for anybody else to do it so with that being said i mean you guys obviously brothers and so how much of the day is spent like talking about chevelle as opposed to like mom's birthday is coming up you know things like that like personal (laughs) life stuff we try to offset the talking about Chevelle by talking about, about real life. Pete and I both really like, um, you know, we have s- some things that we like. We like cars and sports cars and things like that and traveling. And we like uh, Formula One. And then we have kids. We're talking about our kids. So we try to to pepper in, for better, for lack of a better expression, into all of our Chevelle speak. We try to pepper in something that, is a little bit lighter because the stuff can really get heavy because the music and, and the look of the band and the idea is representing you so much. And I think we can probably all kind of relate to that as, as we're growing up, whatever genre of music into it just sort of defines us. Right. Well, that's almost becomes an, an extreme when it, when it becomes not just the genre that defines you, but it becomes the actual band that defines you and, this amount of work that you've been doing for 25 years on something sort of defines you. It's your baby. So it can get pretty heavy, but you try to do our best to uh, keep it light, not take it too seriously. I say in that, it sounds like I take it too super seriously, but we really try We really try not to. So. Hey man, it's a great band. You should definitely take it, uh, take it seriously. Uh, the, um, you know, you, you, being in a band with your brother, have you always played with with Pete? Have you been in other bands? Have you done side projects here and there and things like that? That's funny. Um, not really. Mostly, we've only we've only ever been the two of us. We've had a couple of different um, people that we played with before the band with Chevelle, just kind of friends and stuff like that. Just when you're exploring what music you're into and trying to cover a, a Minutemen song or. Fugazi song or something like that with your friends. Um, but none of them really had that, the interest that we did. And we just, it just something, it was just a passion. We just always wanted to be doing it. And so we started writing together right away. And it was always, it was just always the two of us yeah. writing. And I mean, there was never, I just really didn't have any much interest in playing anybody else's music except for 
except for ours, except for Pete's. That was just what I wanted to do. And so it kind of made it weird when somebody would be like, I'd be somebody and they wanted to play something because I'd always have a problem with them. Like, why are you, that's a stupid lyric or that's a stupid progression. I don't want to be part of that. And uh, where I, when Pete and I were writing, it wouldn't have to say that because we both know that something was, that wasn't the way we wanted it to go. We just both had that idea. So that made it a lot easier. I think that was part, it was partially because it was just, I couldn't connect with anyone else. And I don't know, I don't know if Pete could either. I'd be interested to, to hear what it would like if somebody handed him a bunch of finished music that he just had to write lyrics and melodies to what it would, what it would be if it wasn't me helping to, uh, you know, to sort of lead that. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to figure that out here. (laughs) Can't get my words out. When you guys sit down to write, do you guys write in a room together? Does he write riffs? Do you come up with stuff and send to him like through a voice memo or anything like that? Are you a guitar player? Um, no, I, I'm not a guitar player. Although if I was, I, it, I would benefit so much from everything. I and But yeah, we just sit in a room together and write or else he'll just write on acoustic or electric or I'll just sit in the studio and we'll work on some part and I'll write, you know, a section of drums, a couple of different versions of something. And then he'll sit for two or three days trying different melodies and different parts over that same drum beat. I mean, sometimes the songs, he'll be three different songs over one progression, or sometimes it'll even be uh, three different sets of lyrics and melodies over one uh, song that we've sort of written over the music. He just keeps writing it. So we do a lot of stuff together, but he does, He's always working. He does a ton of it by himself. There seems to be like a Chevelle sound. So, I mean, when you guys get in a room together, are there other times where he throws out like a master of puppets riff and you're like, that's not really what we're here <laughs> for, you know, like anything like that? What do you guys just go? I mean, we're, yeah, we're really on the same wavelength. It will have an idea. He'll say, I've got this idea. I want to start on a keyboard from this. Like we did this song endlessly and, um, the way he he had sort of written it to uh, to a metronome, and he's like, I just want I want this certain sound. So I actually played the drums on that song on a keyboard. You know, obviously just with pressing the keys because it had that sound and it was just easier to get it that way. And um, so the, so the idea was already there. So it wasn't like me him saying, Oh, I want to do this, and I didn't get it. It was it was already there. So. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like kind of on the same same wavelength. It's two people sharing one brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's in the genes, man. The one thing, and and I'm not gonna bring up old stuff too much, but like the um, that's okay too. The fact, I mean, uh, just the, just the fact that your original bass player was your brother, and then mm-hmm. the replacement was your brother-in-law. Like for the longest yeah. time, like was like the best thing I ever heard. And the fact that you're like, we need another bass player. Who's in the house? You know. <laughs> And so, so does so does uh, this this Kimball have any relation to you? Have you guys done like a twenty three and Me to see if he's related to you at all? <laughs> we haven't done that. We probably should. Um, <laughs> when when Dean came in, into the band uh, sixteen years ago, it was pretty natural because he was he's a drummer and he was playing in in bands that we also played a lot of the same shows and stuff, and we were friends. So um, when my brother left we didn't really go to anybody else except for dean we just said hey man we just want to hang out with you and be 
and do this stuff with you. Do you want to learn how to play bass and, <laughs> and come and do this? And, uh, and he did. It took him like six weeks. He learned our whole catalog and then uh, came out and did it all. And it, it was great. I mean, we appreciate him for all the time that he put into it. Um, there was a, that was 15 years. It was a good run. Yeah, definitely a good run. Uh, talking about growing up, um, growing up in the Chicago area and talking about, you know, you say you want to play Minutemen songs, you want to play Fugazi songs. I mean, were you going to like Fireside Bowl and things like that and hanging out and seeing punk rock shows back in the day? Shit, yeah, man. <laughs> Fireside. I think we even played Fireside once or twice. Um, but I don't know. We, we more hung out at uh, the Metro and the Double Door. Those right. were kind of more our, our places and, and the bands that were there were, I don't know, the PA was a little bit better. Right. <laughs> that was that was a part of it. There was heat. Uh, they would get <laughs> let you drink beer. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we did go there to Fireside a couple of times and um, see some stuff and, and play and all that. And I mean, there was a pretty good scene of bands just wanting to do stuff together and they weren't necessarily the same genres or anything, which I think um, kind of made things difficult at times because you'd be like, Oh, this band, they got a bit of a following and this band has a bit of a following. We get all of our stuff together. We can actually have enough people to do a show here. Right. But then those people weren't really interested in that genre of music. So they'd leave after their band was done. <laughs> so I, I don't know what, I mean, the community was, kind of there i mean i know that wasn't really your question but the community was kind of there but it was also kind of very kind of really separate right but um i, I, I don't, I don't know. know i mean we were also from the suburbs too which i think sometimes it'd be like oh you guys aren't really from chicago <laughs> right. but yeah but we're still from chicago land where go. else are you gonna play it's funny. I, I I was in bands in the '90s and and whatnot, and there was definitely a time where where like you know my new metal band we would play with a with a ska band like a punk ska band and like a riot girl band and a and a hip hop act would be on the bill like yeah it, it seemed to be much more of a of a big and we were all friends that was the thing we were friends with everybody in the bands so we were yeah. all playing shows together to where it wasn't uh -huh. just like thirteen brutal death metal bands all on all on one bill you know. <laughs> Although that sounds fun too, right? Uh, hey, can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, I remember this. We did this one show and it was um, pink. Um, and then this, I think it was three women uh, and the the band was called Black and then Warren G. Um, I, I'm trying to remember who else and somebody else. Anyway, it was for like a, for a video service. And it was the weirdest, it was the weirdest show. I remember it was a lot of fun though, but it was just the strangest thing to have uh, those genres together. I guess those genres are actually, I think it was like kind of, kind of hip hop, but kind of pop. Right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we were odd man out for sure kind of back to the, the to the early days of the the, you know, the chicago scene growing up you know we went we went up there a lot i think i played i don't even know where i played in chicago but um any great shows you can remember seeing back in the day like you know some i can't believe you know this bill these bands were together type stuff <laughs> well i remember going to um back when you could stand in line and get the you know the pit tickets you know you used to go like go in at like five o'clock in the morning or stay overnight 
um, at Ticketmaster, and then you could get the front row tickets. So we got pit tickets for the first Lollapalooza show. So nice. we would see all those bands, and we'd be right there. Um, I can't remember what that venue was called back then. It was like Tweeter Center? Is that right? I can't Sounds remember. Right. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Anyway, so those shows where you saw, you know, Soundgarden, Nine Inch Nails, and Pumpkins, and all these, all these bands from from everywhere all came together. I mean, that was that was a pretty big experience, and I was probably, I don't know, sixteen back then. Oh yeah, something like that. So that was those were great experiences. I went to those first three Lollapaloozas, but I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of some of the bands that. Uh, like there was this band called Hum, which we really loved yep. and to see them, to see them play. It was just really big sound, you know, and that was right when we were really kind of um, st- starting to put out our own music on records and stuff. So it was a, it was kind of an influential thing. It just, at least in the, the sense that it was these giant, um, get to, you know, wall of guitar sound. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> a lot of cool stuff, but right. it's so long ago. I guess I got to look back and think what it was, but those all the Palooza shows were, were a big one because you just saw everybody together. And it's still that way. I think we, we go to festivals now and we're just like, just inundated and overrun by a whole bunch of stuff all at once. And it's just a great experience. What was the moment in Chevelle where you look kind of looked around and, and was, was like, you know, this is something bigger than we ever expected was there a show was there a, a contract was there a you know an extra zero in your bank account what, what was it yeah i mean there was a couple moments of when you thought all right maybe i should lean into this i think this is going to connect i'm going to be able to la- and this is going to be able to last but you you never were really sure you just kind of wanted to, to play music and a lot of times by the time you got to something that was really big and you were excited about you'd go through so much shit to get there there was so many you know there's so many things like we had this old saying that nothing's ever done until you're trying to get out of it and it it really is true the music business is just it does grind you up it'll just grind you and grind you down like a lot of businesses i suppose but i remember coming off of um i came off of i think it was uh wonder what's next and we had toured for I don't know, probably two years on that, whatever. And I remember that I came home to my house that I shared with three people. We all had our, we all had our own bedrooms in this little tiny four bedroom house. And I had like something crazy in the bank. I had like $60,000 and I didn't own a piece of furniture or a car or anything. And I had just been on the road for, I don't know, two and a half years or something like that. And I had money in the bank. And I thought that I was like, wow, I just, that's unbelievable that that had happened. Because also during that time, when you're in those early days, you don't really make any money because you're doing all these tours as a fourth band or a third band or whatever. And it's, the money's barely paying to get you from one show to the next show. And uh, I don't know why, but I was able to to pay off a bunch of bills and stuff. I think I had like, I think I had like $30,000 in credit card debt. Um, from doing tours and things like that, from fixing the, the, the van, the tour van, which had long since broken down. And 
I just remember thinking, I can, I guess I like, I can go forever. Of course, <laughs> how long was 60 grand last year? <laughs> you know, especially when you're 25 years old. Um, but I remember that I felt like that was a, a connection. You know, it probably wasn't even 60 grand. It was probably 30 grand, honestly. <laughs> I I mean, it's been so many years. I don't totally remember, but um, yeah, it's weird too, because it's just nothing ever seems like it is the way that people remember it, the way that they will talk to you about it. You're like, well, I don't remember that at all. I just remember being, how, how am I figuring out how to get this from, from point A to point B? I didn't, I wasn't looking at, oh man, this is really cool that you're having a career as a musician and that you're able to go and play shows every night. You're not thinking about that. You're just trying to, trying to like, just make it all work and not fall apart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I did my first, uh, I, I toured, I played bass in a band that was signed and, and we did our first six week tour and I got home and they're like, here's your $400. And I was yeah. like, and then, and then they go, actually, no, you broke a $90 cord. So here's your $310. And I'm like for uh-huh. six weeks. <laughs> and it yes. was like, right at, I was like right at Christmas. And, uh, yeah, I was I was pretty bummed. I was like, "That's all we made the whole time we were out there." <laughs> I, I agree with you. I remember the first time I made money on a tour, and it was three months. It was three months long. It was like ninety three or ninety two days or something like that. And after everything was all said and done, I made almost four thousand dollars, which um, that I had to pay tax on, of right. course. So I ended up with like twenty eight hundred bucks, and uh, and that was during. I think that was during Wonder What's Next. Yeah. And that's when you go down to the the metro and you're buying rounds and you're like, "That's right, dude! I made it! That's right! <laughs> I'll buy you all beers, one beer, one light beer, and that's it." <laughs> uh, Marcus in the chat here says, uh, "Do you remember when the Chevelle trailer was stolen or the items in it?" Yeah, unfortunately, I think it took a year off my life going through that because at the time we had a trailer behind the bus and it was filled with with all of our gear and that gear that you're playing with. A lot of that gear is stuff that you recorded records with and things because that's just what you have. It's not like you have a completely separate, you know, set of, of gear. And um, it was really sucked, man. But uh, the bus company at the time, they needed to service the bus and they didn't want to take it to they get the oil change with the trailer on it for some reason. So they parked it in the in the parking lot and we put like somebody's car in front of it. And that person said, oh, we're leaving the hotel at 6 a.m. So you're going to need to find someone else to park in front of this trailer and make sure nobody steals it. So um, at like 545, I get up and just to check to make sure my tour manager was doing his, you know, doing his job and putting something in front of this trailer to make sure nobody steals it. So I I see him going down the hall. It's like 545. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get the uh, I'm going to get the hotel van to park in front of it. I'm like, great. So I walk back into my hotel room, pizza sleep, and I look out the window. And I had just looked out the window like three or four minutes earlier and saw the trailer sitting there and there wasn't a car in front of it, um, anything. So I had said to my, to my tour manager, I said, make sure you, he's like, I'm on my way right now. I'm going to do it. I look back out that window and the trailer is gone. And I remember that it just felt like it felt like I was going to die for some reason. (laughs) Like there was just no getting back from this. Like it was just like, it was just over. 
And at the end of the day, it was just gear. Guitars are replaceable. Drums are replaceable. But it just felt like that show that's supposed to happen today isn't happening. And that felt like the end of the world to not be able to do that. And I remember we missed, we went home, we missed five shows and we just, we called all the people that we were associated with, all of our friends and everything. And, um, and, uh, they, uh, just tried to get people to, you know, to lend us whatever. Right. And, and they did. And people lent us all kinds of stuff and we were able to, um, sort of, sort of rebuild. And, uh, I remember, uh, Peter Steele from Typo Negative called our tour manager and was like, Hey man, I saw that this got stolen. I just want to let you know, everything's here. Come take anything you need. It was, he was so kind to do that, but we were able to to piece it all back together. But man, I mean, everyone knows what it's like to have something stolen, but it really felt like, it felt like somebody stole your career. And I'm, I'm exaggerating it because of course that's not true at all. Right. You're just, it's just stuff. It doesn't matter. But you're just so attached. And uh, anyway, it worked out <laughs> at the end. We did miss five shows and got back on the road and, and uh, everything was fine. Woohoo! Any of that stuff ever found? Yeah. Some really great people um, bought some stuff, at, you know, at different um, music stores, found it, and emailed us and let us know where it was. And we were able to go back and find it. And the cops found the trailer, which had some things in it um, eventually too. Um, so we got, we got some of it back. It was great. It was everything that came back was just a bonus. So it was cool. Actually, one of the things that came back that was really special was Pete's, um, he had bought this used, uh, PRS guitar that we had basically recorded all of, um, point number one and, uh, wonder what's next with him. Probably even a lot of, um, can't remember at the time if it was, this type of thinking as well, but whatever we would record all this stuff. So we got that guitar back, which was probably his, the oldest one and um, was pretty special to him. So, yeah, I think that a band coming up, if you steal their gear, a lot of, a lot more of that gear probably has more sentimental value. Yeah. Than anything. You know, if you, if you went and stole five finger death punches gear right now, it, it would just, it would have been stuff that came in for that tour. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Not that you should and, steal anybody's yeah. gear, but, yeah, don't steal anybody's gear. I do remember we were um, we were doing this show in Michigan, and um, uh, uh, Scotty, our our guitar tech, he had had put these two bases in the cases and set them next to go out. And he turned around and they were gone. And he and I remember him kind of freaking out right away. He goes, "Somebody just stole these two bases. They were just there." And let's he like grabbed the stagehands and said, "Let's go find them. They're outside there in the parking lot." And he found them, and they were in the back of these kids, these guys car and these, they were just, they were friends of the promoter and they were just walking out to go and like get a beer, saw these two guitars and just grabbed them, took them to their car, put them in the back of the car and then went back into the venue. Wow. And, uh, it was really, really funny. So, uh, they, uh, they got a couple of the stage hands to surround the car to make sure that they couldn't leave and then found out who they were and got the, got the bases back. But, um, coincidentally, I remember being in, um, I think we were in Seattle. If I remember it. No, in Portland. And uh, we were playing shows with Typo Negative. And somebody walked right out the front door with one of his, one of his bases. <laughs> and I, I remember that the state, the, uh, the backline guys made the uh, promoter, made the venue pay for it because they're like, 
you just let somebody walk out of the venue with a base, not in its case or anything, just holding one of these bases and just right. walked right out. So it's your responsibility. <laughs> but that was pretty brazen, right? Cause right. My, uh, we actually played some typo before you came on playing a little, little Halloween type stuff because this is nice. my final show before Halloween. I, I met Peter Steele in uh, like 96, 97 ish. And my uh-huh. friend had gotten the playgirl that Peter was in. And he had, he had and like my male friend had Peter sign like the cover. And uh-huh. he goes, he goes, Peter, you're hung like a horse. And without a missing a beat, Peter still looks at him and goes, yes, my mother was a mule. <laughs> and like walks on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he he definitely he had a great. lot a lot of funny things to say man he he was great every every moment i had in that short amount of time in those shows that we did was really funny he left a, a really good impression it's cool yeah. definitely been a been a crazy tour to see chevelle typo negative um yeah as we kind of wrap <laughs> yeah, up their fans I, didn't quite get it <laughs> yeah i couldn't see that i don't see you yeah. guys going over well in front of the uh typo fans but you know, they they were such an oddball band to begin with. It was probably hard yeah. for them to find bands to tour with. Well, the, yeah, it was. And it was just us and them. And it was so early on that we were in a point number one day. So it was kind of us just kind of playing kind of hard rock with like this weird sort of, it was not really, you couldn't really say exactly what it was. So it would kind of fit in there. But um, their crowd had this thing where they would just kind of like, just kind of watch them. And, uh, I don't know. It's, they had kind of a strange uh, atmosphere anyway at those shows, so it didn't really change for us. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask, I, I just saw that you just recently played the Ryman Auditorium. Actually, I grew up in yeah. Nashville, obviously the Ryman Historic Venue. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Was there any kind of crazy ambiance there? Was it just a cool venue to play of many or what? Or what? Yeah, it it is cool. I mean, it's cool to play any of the theaters, I think, are kind of end up really being like the coolest places. They just have a vibe to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of have the best vibe The the sheds and things like that. Some of them have have a vibe, but a lot of times they're just kind of interchangeable. Um, but these theaters, they do have a vibe and that place definitely does. It's weird, too, because they're doing tours during the day while everything's being set up. So you can't make any noise and there's people walking up onto the stage to take pictures with the podium. Right. Standing and, where the podium is and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it was because it's a museum. Mm-hmm. So it's you kind of feel like, um, yeah, I felt kind of like I was intruding <laughs> the whole time, you know, but they're great. Everybody was everybody was great there. And it's a really cool place and sounds good. And like I said, it's got a great vibe and got good lights. And um, I hopefully we get, we get to do it again. It was a, it was a good vibe. Uh, one uh, one nerd question we've got here. <laughs> Mark is in the chat. Ask can you ask Sam what he does with the hi hat on Comfortable Liar? I'm having trouble playing it. Uh, you know what? I think that 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 sound why it sounds like it's something other than it is because it's just a regular hi hat sip, but we recorded it in this totally tile bathroom. And I think it's what it sounds like. It just has a very different sound. So when you play it on a regular hi-hat in a regular room, I think it sounds different because I don't think I'm doing anything different on it. So he needs to move to the bathroom is what you're saying. Move, move to the bathroom move and just the bathroom, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, uh, what's, I, I know some, some touring has been rough on everybody. So what's the plans yeah. for Bella at this point? I know you guys had to cancel some dates here and there. 
Yeah, we did. We figured it was better just to cancel them to postpone them because um, that way everybody can just make new plans. Uh, but it, I think it was only I think it was only eleven dates, and I just I, everyone hates to cancel stuff, man. It's just the worst. But um, but we did it, and we'll go and do that stuff again. We do have more. We actually have a lot more dates coming up next year, and I think next year is going to be a lot better. I think there's just. I think that things are, are sort of going back to normal. It just takes time. It's just not a button that you can press to just make everything, you know, just uh, right. go back to normal. So we're getting there. I think. I think, you know, you post tour dates and if you're missing a city, that means you hate that city. But then if you post tour dates, <laughs> but then if you cancel tour dates, you also hate that city. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a lose, lose situation all around. There's not, yeah, there's not a lot of winning there. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if I, if we never have to cancel another show, that would be, that'd be perfect. And, uh, hopefully we'll never have to again. All right. Well, we, uh, we started out with, uh, which I called it self-destruct tour. Like it was some sort of yeah. a human character, uh, self-destructor. Uh-huh. Uh, what, uh, what would you like us to end off with video wise off the new album? Um, well, did, did you play, uh, Mars Simula? I have not. Cause so Mars Simula is, is the second single off of this album. And um, it's one of the, I think it's one of the heaviest songs we, we've ever written. And we play that song um, at the end of our show. It just tears people's heads off. I love it. It's so fun. It's a cool video too. Rob Gibson did that video and uh, he's my friend and he's just got a great sense of, he's just got great ideas. Absolutely, man. Well, I'm a, hey. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, this conversation and uh, definitely have you on anytime you'd like to come back on. And uh, once again, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking some time with us tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Looking forward to, uh, looking forward to 2022. All right, here we go. A little Chevelle Mars Simula Simula. And uh, Sam, once again, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. See you soon. Welcome the wonderful and amazing Brittany Slays to Throwback Throwdown with Toomey. How are you tonight? Doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Like I was chatting with you uh, as, as the video is going, man, the, the chat room here is going off the chains here with, with names I've never seen before. So so you uh, you, <laughs> you are, are moving the proverbial needle at this point. Yeah, no, I recognize a lot of them. So, I mean, it's, you know, the usual Twitch hangs, I guess. <laughs> nice, nice. Is that a Twitch something you kind of got into during pandemic to to kind of reach the fans? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, number one. That was why we started doing it. Um, I mean, we had kind of been talking about it. And then when the pandemic hit, we were on tour with Dragon Force. Right. And Herman was streaming every night. So he was kind of like, yeah, Twitch is the greatest. So we were all just like... The second we got home, we all, and I mean, we were in lockdown, so there was nothing else to do. So right. we all started streaming and, and it was great. It was awesome. And it's like getting to hang out with fans like you do at the show, but um, a little more relaxed. Right. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like the um, yeah, you know, I twitch obviously every week and popping on here and seeing the the names. You know, each week you you get to know them, you grow to know them. I'm assuming like when you guys play shows, somebody comes up to you like, "Hey, I'm you know such and such from Twitch." Now it's going to be pretty crazy to see those people in person now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we did VIP sessions um, for before every show on this last US tour. And we got so many people coming through that were like, Oh, I'm this person, I'm this person. And, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun getting to meet everyone in person and, you know, putting faces to uh, handles, I guess you right. call them and, um, you know, just kind of getting to know each other a little bit better. And uh, we, you know, we love we love our Twitch fans. We love our discord family. We love everyone that's involved in the, in the whole community. And it's been like such a great time and just even better to get to finally hang out with them in person. And, um, I mean, there were some names that I was like, Oh shoot. You know, I, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that person, but like, you know, we'll get to know you for sure. <laughs> but I'm sure you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that last tour. I mean, was that the first kind of getting back on stage after being in lockdown, you know, nerves, uh, you know, going through you and things like that? Yeah, I, I mean, surprisingly, the first show there, yeah, there was a little bit of nerves. But uh, I mean, we got we got the kinks out pretty quick. And then it was just back to doing what we do, doing doing what we love, which is playing live on stage. And um, it was it's it was so great. It just felt so great to be back there, you know, back up on stage. and playing live for everybody and playing abyss live for finally, you know, for the first time for everyone. And, um, just kind of getting to banter back and forth with the fans and hear their voices and, and just be out on the road. It's like, Oh God, we've been waiting for so long. And it was, it felt really great to finally get back at it. And, you know, we had to be really careful and, um, we couldn't really, it wasn't exactly the same because um, we kind of like to hang out a little bit more than we were able to due to COVID, but we just had to be really careful that we didn't, um, you know, mingle too much with people. Cause if you get COVID and when you're on tour, that's the end. That's it. it you know, as you've right. seen so many times already um, the second, uh, um, a touring package gets one person gets COVID. It's just kind of over. That's it. So we were had to be really careful, but it was still like so much fun. What was the uh, the mix up there at the at the border that kind of chopped off the first week of the tour, the last tour? It was because we were in Europe. Yeah, we were in uh, mainland Europe in a specific area that <laughs> we weren't allowed to go to, um, and then return to the United States unless you were an American citizen. Um, so it was just it was really a ridiculous thing that um, uh, you know because we're Canadian, we don't have those issues. We didn't have that problem. It wasn't something that we were aware of and uh yeah i don't know it's just it was really shitty and um even though we are fully vaccinated we had literally 30 minute old negative covid tests in our hands and the mandate was from before the vaccinations even started rolling out in full like they did in europe and uh, where we were which was belgium had the highest vaccination rate in like the Western world at that time, and they still wouldn't let us in. And so it was just like we fought pretty hard, but there was no getting around it. So what did you have to do? Did you have to reroute to Canada and like quarantine there and then come to the States? Like how did that work? No, no. Vancouver has their own customs area. So you go through customs in Vancouver. Yeah. And then 
if you make it, then you get on your flight in, into the United States. Okay. Um, so we literally just got really shitty cab rides home. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Archer Army needs an inflatable manatee. I agree. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. If someone can find one, I looked all over Amazon, but they only had, they didn't, they didn't get big enough. They were like 24 inches was the biggest I could find. And I'm like, no, no, we need like a five footer. <laughs> like some, uh, some Stonehenge, you know, uh, spinal tap stuff happening. You know, your, your manatee lowering from the, uh, from the rafters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it was funny. I was looking at the, uh, the tour dates from the last tour and there's an actual Twitch day on there. And I think that's the first I've ever seen, like, you know, Milwaukee, Chicago, Twitch Day, Louisville, you know, however you do it, you know, and I think that in the future will probably be more of a uh, a staple of an actual tour is is the live stream day. Well, that was actually for um, just Aether Realm and Seven Kingdoms because of us not being able to get into the States. So they hooked up with one of the opening bands from Minneapolis, Lords of the Trident, who was, uh, who Ty is their singer and he streams on Twitch all the time. And he said, well, if you can't do the shows, um, then just come to our place and we'll do a live stream. So we pushed that as a show because it was, you know, it, those first um, five shows being missed for Seven Kingdoms and Aether Realm was a really big hit to them financially. So we pushed this live stream as though it was a show because we needed people to help. <laughs> you know, we were asking for donations and all that sort of stuff to help out Seven Kingdoms and Aether Realm. Um, to make sure that they were able to get through that first half of tour without, um, you know, dying of starvation <laughs> or, you know, not being able to fill up the gas tank or things like that, you know? So uh, that was really, it was just kind of like a super impromptu, awesome idea um, to help out after those first five shows got canceled. I think that, that a lot of fans don't understand that when you get out on the road and if you get, like you said, if you get COVID in the middle of a tour, it's done because, you know, if you get COVID and you have to sit in a city for seven days of hotels and per diems and making no yep. income and things like that, I mean, that could wreck an entire tour's uh, financial budget. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. You can't and, uh, and and you can't just be like, oh, I'll just whatever. I'll wear a mask all the time. You can't. You are no longer allowed inside the venues, a lot of them. Right. And so and then you can't put the other bands at risk. And um you can't put your bandmates at risk and you can't put the, the attendees at risk. So it, yeah, it's literally, that's the end of it. You can try to quarantine and see if you can get back on the road in time. But being that our tour was chopped down to only three weeks after that, if we had gotten it say like five days in, and then we had to quarantine for 10 days, that's three shows left at the end of it. So right. That was just, you know, we had we had to be insanely diligent about it. Um, and I think some people were a little put off. Like we'd walk up and we'd be like, ah, put our masks on and be like, don't. <laughs> but like, honestly, it's not because we didn't want to talk to you. It's just that we we could not risk it. And, um, and uh, you know, all of the bands did a really great job and the crew and, and everyone did a really great job of just taking extra care and, uh, making sure that nothing happened and we managed to make it through the tour without a single person coming home with COVID. And honestly, I, I haven't seen any other tour do that yet. Cause you know, like I've just, I'm watching these come through on Twitter, you know, avatar had to stop. And um, I think 
one of the bands in the Cradle of Filth tour had to stop. And like, it's just, I, I don't know if I've seen a successful one yet. So you just have to be like insanely careful. Yeah, this is definitely a time where the guitar tech, the drum tech, the bass tech all need to know the set because, you know, if, if a guitar player goes down, you can replace them for a couple of shows. But I mean, obviously, if you go down, you know, nobody wants to go see, you know, scab, <laughs> at least the archer, you know, set. Um, I don't know. I think Ty could pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you get like, like, you know, Corn went out and Jonathan Davis gets COVID and they, they have to shut yeah. a few shows down. Then yeah. Monkey gets COVID and they like, all right, we'll pull out another guitar player. And the drummer goes down. We'll pull out another drummer. You know, it's but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a, a, a rough time out there to, to even try to be in a band. And I'm assuming that goes into the cancellation of the European tour, which I, I see a lot of people are bummed out about. Yeah, it really sucked. That was, I mean, like super. We had seen other bands canceling and we were kind of like, huh, <laughs> that's not good. And then uh, about a week after we got back from the U.S. tour, our manager was was basically just like, so, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you have to cancel your Europe tour. And we were just kind of like, why? Um, and he's like, well, there's a lot of changes in regulation happening right now all over in all different countries. And um, one of the, you know, Germany, we had a lot of shows in Germany and they were changing things and um, like just kind of, not necessarily making things more strict, but uh, like taking away the COVID test thing. So you now had to be vaccinated to get into the venue. So people that had purchased tickets beforehand, thinking that they could just get a COVID test and go, that was no longer a viable option for them. So um, that was, you know, that was a problem plus a million other things in a million other different countries. And they just said, there's, there's too much risk of you flying there. And, you know, say being in Belgium and then having to go into France after that. And all of a sudden Belgium's on the red list for France and you can no longer go into France now that you've been in Belgium or, you know, just things like that. And a lot of that was starting to happen and uh, the COVID numbers were going up and like even Spain was in the middle of like a fourth wave while we were trying to figure it out. And uh, the promoter was just like, I don't see the restrictions going away in time like we had thought they were going to. So those there was three shows that we had in Spain. So that was three days that we would have had nothing. And it was just, yeah, it was just kind of everything. The more you looked deeper at it, the more it was looking really bad. So um, it was kind of our agent said that we should cancel. The owner of the agency said that we should cancel. Our label said that we should cancel. And then, I was like, but look at this band. <laughs> they're going. And, and our manager right. was like, actually, they're not. I have the inside scoop. They're going to be canceling. They're announcing on Friday. You know, like, and and that happened like three times before. Finally, we were just like, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, there's nothing I to do. Um, you've got the, uh, you've got, a, you know, you do have a U.S. tour coming up a couple weeks in December. Um you know, coming from Canada to the United States, what's the protocol at this point to kind of get in and uh, safely and not have to deal with a bunch of a uh, bunch of nonsense? <laughs> well, you do have to deal with a bunch of nonsense. There's like <laughs> a million apps. You got to fill out all these different apps depending on which airline you fly with. Um, you have to be fully vaccinated to get into the United States. So um, as a Canadian, and so we, you know, We've got all we've got all that all sorted, and you have to have um, a negative COVID test taken within three days before travel, 
and um, and then the airlines have their own restrictions. Um, so there's like a yeah, there's like three different apps that you have to fill out um, depending on the airline that you're taking. So and then there's just like crazy information. We uh, we flew home with um, I think it was American. In their app, what they make you do is take a photo and then you don't even check your passport or the boarding pass or anything. You literally just stand in front of this camera and it matches your face to the photo that you took in the app. And in the app is where you fill out all the information. You input your passport, your vaccinations, um, your negative COVID test. You put it all into this app and then it literally just matches your face. And it's like, yep, Brittany, you're good to fly. And you go. It was crazy. It was awesome. No, I was just like, heck yeah. <laughs> Can we do this every time, please? <laughs> yes, exactly. I was like, this is the future. Like, yeah, you know who I am. I filled out the app. I checked in already, all this stuff. So, I mean, that was pretty rad. But, um, yeah, it's just just a shitload of stuff that you have to do. And um, we had booked these dates in sort of um, – knee-jerk reaction to no longer being able to tour Europe and just being like, okay, well, we have this time now, so let's use it. And um, so we, the whole visa process, oh man, I had to do that in like record time. And I honestly was sitting there with it, with like the package in my hands. And I was just like, I did something wrong. I missed something. I know I did. I was just like looking and I was like, gives you this little checklist. And I'm like, but I have it all. I'm like, I think, I think we're going to be okay. But even that that they could just get the visa application and say, no, nothing to do with COVID. They literally could just say, no, nah, you're not coming into our country. We don't want you. And like, there's a million things that can go wrong. So it's just like, do what you can. <laughs> <laughs> Got to shout out Wolfie in the chat here for all the bits he's been sending over. Thank you so much. Um, you know, this is my pseudo Halloween show. So are you a big Halloween fan? Are you into, uh, you know, dressing up and all that stuff? Was there, was Halloween big growing up for you? Totally. I mean, I'm not like huge into it anymore just because honestly, I like, I don't have the time. Um, but I always, I was the only one that cared in my house about Halloween and <laughs> I would always like decorate and stuff. And I'd open the window and I'd put like spooky music out the window with the speaker and, uh, I loved dressing up and uh, I, I'm not like super creative in that way though. So <laughs> it was literally like store-bought costumes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I do like it a lot. It's just uh, like, it sucks because I never have time. And uh, honestly, like most of the time we're on tour <laughs> during right. Halloween these, these last few years. So um, don't really get a chance to celebrate too much, but yeah, this year, um, we've got some friends having people over on Friday night. And I think that's probably the only thing that we'll do, to be honest. Uh, I am actually going to buy tickets to see Dune on Halloween, I think, okay. instead of actually doing anything. <laughs> Any favorite uh, costumes growing up? Um, I mean, I don't know. I always loved the people that got super, um, super creative with cardboard and would do like Optimus Prime or... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I saw this one on the internet of like a kid that actually did like a transforming car. Like, no, yeah, like what I started thinking of when you did that. Yeah, he gets done. Totally. Yeah, yeah, and um, you should do that this year. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Go to your party Friday night. <laughs> get many boxes of beer and, and chop them all up. Um, I, I, I always wanted to be able to do something like that, like something super rad and time consuming. But like I said, uh, I just didn't have the time and. Um, you know, you look at cosplay 
um, creators, like the ones that just like create the costumes for cosplayers. And it's so expensive. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll put that into, you know, a new microphone or show clothes or whatever, or something that is a little bit more important than one night of the year. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So when you're out touring and you, you do play around Halloween, do you do anything Halloweeny? Do you, have you guys had a Halloween show to where you've dressed up as kiss or anything like that? No. Um, we did play like a Halloween show once and we all dressed up for that. But, um, when we play Halloween on tour, I think we've only actually ever done it once or twice. And it's always just like, we're kind of touring right around that time. Um, but we, we didn't do anything special really. No, it was just like, I don't know. We dress up on stage anyway. So (laughs) it's kind of always Halloween for us. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I didn't know you'd make one of those like last minute runs to the grocery store to grab like seven pumpkins and put them on stage. You're like, here we are. Yeah, hey, Spirit back. Halloween to the rescue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no. Someone got deposited. Uh-oh. Oh, buddy. Look, is it a cat or a dog? It's a cat, yeah. All right. <laughs> I always love when the animals show up. Buddy, come here. <laughs> what are you doing? Hi. Say hello. Is it Scott? Yeah. Oh. Nope. I hear talking. <laughs> It's too big. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, he's a very large cat. It's a very, uh, it's like a small horse. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Not very. Say hi, uh, bud. Panda cat. (laughs) We think he's a Norwegian forest cat. He's a large breed. Right. Um, It's got all the the fixings, but. Yes, chunky boy. Uh, that's yeah, <laughs> cow panda. Yeah, uh, floofy horse. Hi. Two All right, people. I'll put you down. Um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to ask you about was, you know, the um, Unleash the Arch has been around for 15 years almost. I guess next year will be 15 years. What have you kind of seen aside from the pandemic? Because obviously nobody deals with that. But I mean, starting a band 15 years ago, you know, uh, what what have you seen over the years that kind of uh either a keeps you going or just, you know, the changes in the music industry that you've seen. I mean, everything has changed. (laughs) Um, streaming is huge. Yeah. YouTube is, is incredibly important. Social media is incredibly important. Um, any band can, you know, be an overnight success. I mean, it's not really a thing. I don't like to say overnight success because, um, that doesn't really happen, but, any band can put a music video out there that could get a million hits in, in one day just because right. it's super rat or whatever. Now, you know, before, um, when before you would have to try and get your, your stuff on like much music or MTV or whatever. And, you know, good luck at that. If you're, if you're a nobody or if you don't have a label. So it's, um, there's a lot more accessibility for, for young bands, for up and coming bands to be seen. And, um, it's, you know, it's, people say that it kind of saturates the market, but everyone is just so used to having every song they could ever ask for at their fingertips. So like, what does it matter if there's a million bands out there, there's room for everyone. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole women in metal thing has changed a lot where, you know, people are, people are starting to be okay with it. I mean, most people are totally cool with it. And there's a lot of 
female fronted bands out there now. And, um, when before it was really kind of pretty sparse and, right. um, they were all just like symphonic bands. So, I mean, that's awesome. And, you know, I don't know. Lots changed. <laughs> Everything has changed. <laughs> Sausages 54 says nice stairs. Those are some nice. Those are kind of creepy stairs. I don't know. You kind of like a horror movie starting in the background. <laughs> Stupid Scott. <laughs> yeah, no, we're um, we, we just moved into a new place and we're renovating it. So we're ripping all the carpet and everything out and, and all the walls are like patched and all the holes have been fixed and all that stuff. And there's a lot going on. So it's taken a while for me to like get this whole room set up, but um, yeah, I'm still not ready. <laughs> I literally <laughs> put this together like 10 minutes before this interview started. So <laughs> <laughs> just do a poster on the wall, like aim the thing at it. All right, here we go. We got a background. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> put, the, put the flag up there. No, you're trapped. Sorry, bud. Yeah, you know, it's kind of going back to you talking about a band can kind of be an overnight sensation. You know, it's it's crazy, like the the pathway to to fame or or just a you know a living, I guess, has changed so much to where it's like you know you get a group of people in a, in a room, you practice for a while, you play some shows, you, you know, you move from opening band to headlining band, you get signed, things like that. Like there seemed to be a, a path, and now mm. it's like. Is there going to be an Unleash the Archers TikTok dance that's going to, you know, put you over the top or, or you know, anything like that? That's just, yeah. you know, I have younger kids and the songs they want to listen to when we're in the car all stem from the things that they've seen on things like TikTok and YouTube and things like that. So it's 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 definitely, you know, it's not radio play. It's not this. It's not that. It's these the weird right. different avenues for people to to kind of go down. No, for sure. And it's even more important that in, you know, in this day and age that you kind of, um, keep your community really close and keep your fans really close. And, um, because they, you know, they do have so much choice and also, um, you, you want to keep them engaged. You want to keep them coming back and, and, um, you know, listening to your tunes six months, a year, 18 months after it's come out, right. um, rather than, you know, moving on, finding something new and forgetting about you. So social media and yeah, TikTok and YouTube and Discord and Twitch, they're all super important um, just to make sure that you can stay in constant communication with everyone because, okay, buddy. Because um, <laughs> if you don't, you know, you, you just get lost in the, in the millions of other options out there. You need to let her out now. <laughs> there you go. Scott. <laughs> I love any animal that has a human name. <laughs> no, Scott let him in. <laughs> oh, okay. What was the cat's name? Cow Panda. Oh. Because <laughs> he's, he's... Never mind. Yeah. Right? Like a cow and fluffy like a panda. <laughs> right? I, hey. Even better. And so I love, you know, I also love animals with uh, ridiculous names. Yes. But I do love animals with with human names. Um, our old guitar player had a cat named Dave. <laughs> right. just, I just love that. Cat's <laughs> named Dave. It's perfect. Yeah, we were looking at a new dog and I was like, we should name it like Mark or something, you know, just something. Yeah, really, really, really <laughs> totally. Yeah, Dave's not here, man. <laughs> yeah, so, but, the, you know, that's also the hard part about being in a band too is you, you have to also 
make sure that you have a presence on Discord and, and Twitch and YouTube mm-hmm. and TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter, yep. like you know, whatever. It, it's 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 like a third job. It's so yeah, insane. It is. Oh yeah, you got to keep up with the times. I haven't figured out TikTok yet. Um, I think we've got like one video up on there. Um, maybe that'll change, but uh, I just don't have the creativity that they do on that platform, man. Like uh, our videos would literally just be me being like, hi, goodbye, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. If that's good enough, then, then cool. But I mean, you know, not, no one's going to care. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's TikTok is probably my favorite social media app just because of how creative people are not, you know, mm-hmm. just. You know, not only the dances and whatnot, but I mean, people get really super creative and editing and just seeing so many people uh, you know, taking the time to make really good content. You know, they, they definitely yeah. deserve their their following. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I've been doing like Instagram reels more than TikTok because um, I don't know if maybe I'm just stupid, but I can't figure out how to mute TikTok. Like, I don't want to hear the sound. I want to choose to hear it. And so Every time I scroll TikTok, it's just like in my face with whatever the next sound and video is. And with Instagram, I could scroll in silence. And then if right. I want to hear it, then I choose to hear it. But I have, I have like, I'm like tapping it. I'm like looking at all the menus and I'm like, God damn, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear the music. Sure. I'll watch the dance, but like, don't, don't force this in my face right now. It's midnight. I've had a long day. I just want to scroll the internet. <laughs> yeah. TikTok but, is definitely not a, 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 you know, the wife is trying to sleep and I'm scrolling on my phone app. You know, it's definitely a, a middle of the day app. <laughs> it's definitely yes, not. Yes. That's too funny. Too I don't funny. have time to scroll the scroll the social media in the middle of the day. So like, that's all I get is when I'm lying in bed at night and Scott's like <laughs> listening to his audio book. So I just, sorry, TikTok until you <laughs> give me the ability to mute, you will not be my application of choice. I mean, you could just turn your phone down. I mean, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but like, I want to be able to turn it off and on. Yeah, okay. This is a cute dog and he's saying something, but I uh, turn the volume up every time down. No, no, <laughs> too funny all right uh so as we kind of wrap up here um obviously you've got the the american tour coming up uh so did the european tour get rescheduled or are you are you still working on that where are we at with that nope no reschedule um it's just right now because we were intending on doing um uh just taking a break to write next year uh because we want to get started on the next record because of how long it takes for the that whole process to happen and, um, and now looking at record delays, holy crap, <laughs> you literally have to have your, uh, record in the vinyl pressing plants hands a year before you need it. So mm-hmm. we want to be able to ha- get, you know, take this year to get everything sorted and, and do a release, you know, like 2023 kind of a thing. So, um, that was the, originally the plan. So I don't know. I really don't know. We're just going to kind of play it by ear, I think. Um, but no rescheduling as of right now. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I'll butcher the screen name. Ips Tupid. It's stupid. I'd be stupid. Uh, uh, I'd be stupid. I'd be stupid. Yeah. As I say it out okay. loud. That's funny. A couple <laughs> of my friends have two cats named Parak, Parak Obama and Jimmy Catter. That's pretty cute. <laughs> yes, in the Canadian process. I love it. Yes. Love the way Canadians pronounce process. <laughs> well, it's different, right? It's in, in two different in two different uh, 
um, circumstances, right? So you process a, a an application, but the process of work is different. You know what I mean? That's, no. I don't know. Maybe that's a Canadian. I've never thing. thought about it like that, but yeah, it's. I think it's just we have how much we love pronunciation on this show. I know. <laughs> I'm totally like a, a Nazi when it comes to spelling and stuff like that. So I don't know. I love all. Uh, that there stuff. was uh, there was some some talk a few weeks ago on the show about uh, some English cities, and I was just butchering them left and right. So. Oh yeah, there's. Oh man, I can't. I can't do. Most of those names, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Like, or Welsh names or yeah, awesome stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we started out with Abyss. Uh, what would you like us to end off with today? Uh, let's do Legacy. I love that one. The Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast.